You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning. Uh, sometimes people call me Mark. That's one of my Um, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm glad you guys made it to Lawndale. Um, hopefully you haven't gotten any texts from friends or family that are over at Miracosta right now. Um, yeah, maybe they'll have a great time of worship over there. But uh, happy December to everyone. Can't believe it's the last month of 2017. This year has flown by. Um, has, has anyone done with their Christmas shopping? Just totally done. Nice. So those who aren't done and are feeling stressed, you can go talk to them and get a sense of peace and relaxation. Um, but hopefully you guys really enjoy the holiday season. Um, hopefully it's not too stressful. Um, I want to welcome anyone who is here for the first time, or maybe this is uh, second or third time. If you're new, welcome to the South Bay Church of Christ. I want to welcome, we have a couple of our friends from our church in Chicago that are here that I heard about. Are you here? There we go. So we can welcome our friends from the Chicago church. And our brother Eddie Blandon is back home because this is his home from the Dallas church. Where's Eddie? Where you at? There you are. It's good to have Eddie back. But welcome to the South Bay Church. My name is Dustin Peckman. My wife, Catherine, and I, we get to work with the youth and the, uh, the young adults here in South Bay, and we, we really love our group, teens, young adults, you out there? There we go. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> uh, so, we are, we're in this series, Between Two Trees, this is week four, and uh, Between Two Trees, we see a tree at the beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden, and a tree at the end of the Bible, in Revelation. And this is God's story. This is His big picture. And we're somewhere in between. And last week, Brian talked about the Exodus. And he talked about how we are redeemed people. We're no longer slaves. And we're on our way. And this week, our, the title of the lesson is He Rules the Nations. He Rules the Nations. We're talking about God rules the nations. Amen? God rules the nations. He has all power and authority. God is in control, not just for Christians, but for all nations. He doesn't show favorites. He works through everyone to bring as many as possible to a knowledge of Him. Who He is, how He feels about you, and what His awesome plan and purpose is for your life. He has a mission for each one of us. To grow in His grace and to help others grow in His grace as well. And sometimes it's hard to see how this moment really matters in the big picture. This morning, Sunday morning being together, sometimes, man, this is just... But God has placed you here and has placed you where you're at in life for a reason. And it's all a part of His big story and His big picture. So today we'll take a look at the nation of Israel. This is God's chosen people. But like I said, uh, God, these are not God's favorite people. These are the people that God chose to make Him known to the world. Israel was freed from Egypt. We talked about that last week. They were in slavery. They were freed. 
And then they journeyed to Canaan, which was this land that God promised them that they would make it to. So they're in Canaan, they're settling down, and then they get taken captive. And they're, they're taken into exile in Babylon. Babylon was this supreme empire. And so they're taken there, and Babylon is going to try to eradicate their worship of God and assimilate them into the Babylonian culture. And this culture, man, it was the epitome of pride, selfishness, and power, and seeking uh, sinful pleasures. It was a rough spot. And you might think, gosh, poor Israel, taking this foreign nation. But they had it coming. They were rebellious towards God for so many years, so many generations. And this was God's discipline in their lives for their rebellion. So we'll focus on two chapters today, Jeremiah 28 and 29. Uh, let's say a prayer before we get into Jeremiah 28. God, thank you for this morning. I'm grateful uh, for this place that, that we have uh, to be able to meet at Lawndale, to be able to meet as a family. God, we know that it's not about the building that we meet in, uh, God, but it's about being together, that we are your church. We're so grateful uh, that we get to be a part of it that we, we get to have each other in our lives, and that, God, ultimately we, we get to know you on an individual basis, but also to have uh, to help others know you. And I pray that you just speak through me. God, may your power, your spirit work powerfully today. And um, God, help us to just be grateful for what we have in this moment right now. pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so Jeremiah 28. We're not going to read Jeremiah 28. Um, you can thank me later for that. Uh, but uh, but we, we have these two prophets, Hananiah and Jeremiah. And their prophecies contrast each other. So you're like, wait, so what's the real prophecy? Which one is actually going to happen? So Hananiah, Hananiah, he says, the Israelites will be in, in uh, exile for two years and then they'll return home. Yeah, that's not bad. Two years, and that flies by, right? And then Jeremiah says, no, actually, in fact, you'll be in exile for 70 years. Then you'll return home. Whose message do you think was the popular one? Yeah, two years. Hey, that sounds good. That's not bad at all. And so if, if Hananiah was leading a church, whose church do you think would be filled every Sunday? Probably Hananiah's. Hey, man, this is a comfortable message ain't bad. I can, I can hack it. But Hananiah's prophecy was a lie. and Jeremiah was telling the truth. Hananiah was a prophet of comfort, not of God. Jeremiah was a prophet of God's an uncomfortable message. And, you know, it, it wasn't the popular message, but it was the real message. And Jeremiah let down their false hopes of getting out, out of there quickly by get, giving them realistic expectations. We appreciate realistic expectations, right? Yeah, we, we don't want our hopes to get let down because of wrong expectations. I expect northbound traffic on the 405 between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. to be a nightmare. If I think any differently, then I'm going to be upset. So setting, setting very low expectations about that traffic helps set me up for success. Like, oh, this ain't bad. And if it's a little bit less of a nightmare, then life is pretty good. 
And so we, we need realistic expectations. And Jesus did this with his disciples. Matthew chapter 16, verse 33, he gathers some of his disciples and says, Look, guys, following me. It's great to have you here. No, he didn't say that. But their little, their little time together. In this life, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, take courage, have hope. I've overcome this world. Don't worry about this world. This world is not the end. And so Jesus set his expectations for his disciples so that they weren't surprised. Tough times along. And in Jeremiah 29, we'll read some uh, a passage out of it in just a sec. Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem, and he writes a letter to those who were exiled in Babylon. He writes this letter, and imagine what these Israelites must have been feeling. They they came out of slavery in Egypt. They're in this land that God promised them, and then they're taken captive, hundreds of miles away, to this this enemy territory. I bet they were feeling a lot of uncertainty. Scared. Frustrated. Discouraged. Is life even worth living in this place? I bet they they questioned God. Are you still there, God? Have you abandoned us? Are we still your chosen people? Why is this happening to me? And we read here in Jeremiah 29, God's message. Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carry to exile from Jerusalem and Babylon. This is God's doing. He was in control. Even though the enemy took them captive, God rules all nations. He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the enemy city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says when 70 are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. These are God's plans. We don't often know God's plans. Rarely, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God speaks to His people and it wasn't a message of judgment. It wasn't a message of shame. It wasn't a message of disappointment. How rebellious all these years. You had this coming. No, he was gracious with you. Even in his discipline, he was loving, gracious. And in verse 5 through 7, we see he calls them to make yourself at home and be good citizens of Babylon. What an interesting message. Man, when I read this, I see and I feel God's grace and faithfulness to His people. Even though this was happening because of their rebellion against God, God calls them to make the most of their circumstances. Exile didn't mean that God had forgot about them or or wanted to destroy them. Because that's the devil's work. To steal, kill, 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 kill and destroy. That's what Satan wants to do in our lives. 
God never has that in mind. There was probably an expectation like, man, we're going to die. But God didn't want them to live out their days in frustration, guilt, bitterness, despair. God encourages the opposite. Instead of decrease and die, increase and prosper. Fall in love. Get married. Build homes. Plant gardens. Children, grandchildren, increase. Don't decrease. Prosper. Enjoy life. Grow. This is God's message to His chosen people who He was disciplined. This is a message of love. And after all, it was God who caused Israel to be in Babylon. God sent them there because of their sin, but He encourages them then be a blessing to this foreign enemy nation. As you grow, help them grow too. God shifts their perspective so that Israel goes from victim to visionary. He gives them hope for the future and a mission in the present. So our first point, I wanted to give you kind of a big intro. And then we have two points here. Grow where you're planted. I love this picture. I love looking at pictures of like little shrubs or trees in this place where you're like, how did that get here? I love seeing trees growing out of the sides of mountains where there are no other trees or shrubs. It's like, it's amazing. Um, so let's talk about your individual growth. What is God trying to do with you right now? What is God doing in your life? What does it even mean to grow where you're planted? I mean, we aren't plants. We don't have roots that go into the earth. So what does that even mean? Well, where are you planted right now? Where are you planted? You're planted in your seat. <laughs> Collectively, we all live in the same place, in the gen- like South Bay general area. But we're all experiencing very different lives. Our occupations are different. Our relationships are different. Our sphere of influence is different. Our hobbies are different. Our relationships are different. The things that we're wrestling with in life and the things that we're experiencing, sometimes good and sometimes really uncomfortable, it's it's all different. There's some things that overlap and we can help each other in those things. But where are you planted right now? In all of these areas, in every nook and cranny of your existence, this is God's message. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's a really encouraging promise right there that God makes. But then other times, it's like, I don't know if that's even true. It doesn't feel true. So in your life, uh, is there any part of your life that makes you question this promise? Maybe makes you doubt this section. Israel was facing God's judgment, again, because of their rebellion. But even in His judgment, God still pours out His love and grace to them. He's still faithful to them. He just can't help Himself. You think, if you're a parent, when you're disciplining your kids, you don't enjoy it. You might even verbally say, I don't like doing this. I don't enjoy this. You love them, and man, you just want to wrap them up in your arms. We all need discipline, and it's an act of love. 
It's an act of love. God is for them, not against them. God is for you, not against you. What about your life makes you feel like you're living in exile? They're in exile areas. Some situations that, that I thought about, they're general, but maybe that'll, it'll help you drill down a little bit if it strikes a chord with you. But times of transition, exile-like times. Transition in jobs, transition in relationships. If, uh, you know, maybe you're moving and you're, you're kind of forced to make new friends, or maybe your best friends have moved away and you're like, what? I, I lost my support group. What's going on? So relationships. Maybe you are moving to a new place. Or this is a new place. Maybe you're here for the first time and you feel like, man, this is foreign territory. These are these times of transition feel like exiled, uncomfortable. Man, what's going to happen next? Coming out of a season of sin, and you're trying to get your life back on track, but you don't know where to start. You don't even know if it's like worth it to try. That can be an exiled time. Our feelings can be exiled. Depression, feeling alone, feeling hopeless, angry at life, injury, sickness, exile in our life. We see it whether it's for ourselves or we see a loved one, man, just uh, going through it. Just uh, weary. And that can be exiled time. Some, it's interesting, some of these Israelites, some of them were, were taken captive and went to Babylon. Some of them remained in Jerusalem. You imagine if you were taken captive and you were in Babylon and you know some of your you know, family, some of your people are still back at home. You might start to like, man, does God love them more? Does God care about them more? Has he just done with us. He's going to work through them now. Are they his favorites? And the grass can seem greener, right? The grass can seem greener on the other side. And it's interesting because, at least from what I have noticed, we talk about the past, some of those moments in the past, like, man, those are the good old days. And then we look to the future and we're like, wow, if only I could have that. The grass is greener over there. Man, if only that prayer gets answered. Or, man, I'd love that person job, or that person's family situation, or that person's, uh, you know, wealth and prosperity. And so we can be stuck in between like, man, those were good times, and hopefully those are going to be good times. But God wants this place right now in your life to be the good grass. He wants this place right now to be the place where we're like, these are the good days. Right now. We're living out the good times right now and then 10 years from now to have that same attitude. These are the good days. The grass is green right here because we're growing where we're planted. Are you where you want to be in life right now? Maybe your physical location, but maybe your physical condition, your mental condition, your emotional your circumstances. Is this where you want to be? And what are you doing to grow in the exile areas of your life? What are you doing to grow 
where you're planted? Are you help from others around you? We need each other. We really do. True growth comes from relationship with God. When you grow with God, growth will happen in every other area of your life. I was talking with my father-in-law, Brian Pimel, uh, yesterday, and I was just asking him about some of his exile times in life. And he, he gave me some of them. It was really cool to just hear his story and just see really his faithfulness, his and, his and Karen's faithfulness to God through the years. But one thing he said that, that stuck out to me, he was talking about his job. He's been at the same job for 25 years, uh, vice president of like Southwest for Heinz Property Management. And he said, um, he said his spiritual growth always helped him grow in his There was a direct correlation. As he was growing spiritually, he was, he was benefiting his company. He was being more productive and effective in his job. Three ways that we can grow, grow with God. They're mind-blowing. I, I write these down if you don't, if you don't already have them in the app. Read your Bible. Pray and thank God. Have a heart of gratitude. Man, when we, when we read the Bible, when we look at scriptures, we look at other characters in the Bible, that would be some good homework for you. It's to study out other, other people in the Bible who were in really tough situations and how they still grew where they were. They made the most of it. Pray. Pray that God would help you in this time. Pray that you would just be able to get rooted where you're at. And thanksgiving, man, all of these three, these three things tie together. There, man, there can be so much that I can feel ungrateful for. I can feel like stressful times, the frustrating times. But the moment I start thanking God for little things, big things, like my heart just feels like, oh, actually, you know what? I'm not so bad. Actually, there's actually a lot of good. Start thanking. Read your Bible. Pray and thank God for what you have. All of this growth and prosperity, it's not just for ourselves. Because as we grow where we're planted, we need to turn around and help others grow as well. Point number two, help others grow. After I put this picture in the slideshow, I was like, that seems like a really impossible like climbing feat right there. And it looks so casual, like here, and there's like no bottom to that rock. I don't know. Um, anyway, help others grow. Jeremiah 29. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and prosperity of the South Bay community of your company, of your sports team, your relationships. Pray for them. Pray for your company. Pray for the community. Because when they prosper, you will prosper as well. Jeremiah's message, man, this was a counter-cultural message. Hey, the enemy nation that took you captive, pray for them and seek their prosperity. That doesn't make any sense. No, we want to yell at the enemy, 
We want to say, like, how dare you cut me off? Man, we want to, we, we get angry. We get, our emotions get the best of us. But in those moments, no, actually pray. Pray for prosperity. Because when South Bay prospers, when your company prospers, when your teams prosper, and your schools prosper, will prosper. There's a, there's a, pro, uh, a popular uh, minister who has an urban church um, and and his his perspective of how we should view our urban community it, it's really cool listen to this early in our ministry we discovered it was misguided for christians to feel pity for the city and it was harmful to think of ourselves as the savior we had to humbly learn from and respect our city our relationship with them had to be a consciously reciprocal one we had to be willing to see God's common grace in their lives. We had to learn that we needed them to fill out our understanding of God and His grace just as they needed us. And when, when we are in exile, we're in situations that are not ideal, when we're in the stressful times in life or the sad times or the bad times or however you want to describe those exile moments, those are some of the best times to make the Almighty God known to others. Because in those times, we can speak from a place of vulnerability and turmoil and we're wrestling and we're real and we're genuine. We're not trying to fake it. People love genuine. We don't like fake people. People don't like it when we're fake. And in those times, we can be genuine and really make God known to others. In First Peter, uh, Peter Peter talks to the Christians in the early church and he refers to them as, he says this in verse 1, to God's elect, exiles scattered around the world. This is how he views, this is their identity as Christians, like we are exiles in this world because this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. So this is a foreign place to us, but this is what he says to them in terms of making the most of this foreign place. Uh, in verse, I'll go back, I didn't put the scriptures on there, but you guys have your Bibles, hopefully, or your phones at least. Uh, chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. Glorify God in their position. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, silence the ignorant talk of sedition. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the And the heart of this scripture is, while you're in exile, don't withdraw from others. Selfish. No, but rather, while you're in exile, live good lives. Serve those around you. Love others deeply. Excel in your career to honor God. Be a blessing to your company. 
excel teams in band, baseball, basketball, cheer, theater, for the purpose of honoring God and helping others know Him. As aliens and strangers live such good lives that eventually those that you're tempted to try to fit in with in this world will bow before God alongside you and honor Him. As Christians, man, we should be the best citizens. We should be the best employees, the best teammates, the best students, the best friends, because we're living for God. Ways that we can help others grow. There's some overlap here. Pray for others. Prayer is a powerful tool. Even if you pray for others and you don't see the fruit of your prayers in their life, just by praying for them, your your perspective of them, your heart for them, your thoughts about them, will turn to positive. will turn to hopeful. It will help you, even if you don't see it play out in their life. You will have a vested there, you know, I, it, it's easy to talk about traffic and just getting frustrated with traffic in LA because it's LA. Uh, but someone cuts you off or you just get frustrated and you pray for that person. I, if you've ever tried it, it's so helpful. Like, man, I don't know what that person's going through. Maybe they're on the way. Maybe they're in labor right now. Maybe they just got a call that someone is sick and they are just trying to get them. God, whatever's happening, I pray that you bless their day and take care of them. Oh my gosh, you have just shut the devil out of your car and you are just chilling with God in a peaceful moment. Who do you need to pray for this week? Who do you need to pray for this week? The next is serve others. Meet the needs of the community. By serving, we get to experience firsthand the needs of the community. Now we can hear about needs and like, yeah, like it'd be a good way to invest my time, but when you're actually in it, you're like, I have so much to be grateful for, and I can give so much. Let's serve others and meet the needs of the community around. How will you serve others this week or this month or Christmas? Man, it's easy to focus on ourselves or our family or our big plans, but how can we serve others? Number three is get involved. Get involved. We are not a community, a church, so that we can just focus on ourselves and like hug each other and like, hey, how you doing? No, let's build bridges in our community. Let's pull others into our community. Some ways that we can get involved. Hey, join PTA with your schools. Go to the town hall meetings. As exciting as those sounds, man, that can be a, a big... I need to more water. A bridge-building opportunity. Sports leagues, local gyms, go to concerts in the park, enjoy life. Just as God told the Israelites, man, grow where you're planted. Make the most. Invite your friends over to dinner. Volunteer. Mentor a team. We have a bunch of teams. Invest in them. What can you do this week or this month to get involved? What's something that you've been meaning to get involved with and haven't? Number four, share God with others. Think of those who introduced you to God and shared their life with you. What kind of a 
what kind of a state were they in? Were they in an exiled state when they shared God with you? Were you in an exiled state? Were you just feeling like hopeless or man, this I feel uncomfortable. Life is is a drag right now. Like other people are feeling those things, and we can be a source of hope to them. Write down two people you will commit to inviting to church and sharing your life with this week. Think about it. If each of us shared our faith, invited people to church that shared about God with two people this week, that would be about four to five hundred more people that hear about God in a week. Just by each one of us doing our part, talking to people. You know, because God is the God of all nations and all people, God is looking out over the South Bay community. He's looking out over your company your co-workers, your classmates, your teammates, your neighbors. And God is using them to help you grow, whether you know it or not. He wants to use you to help them grow. And regardless, this is another something that um, that I talked with my father-in-law about. And he said, just looking back over the course of his life and the different jobs he's had, the titles he's had, the positions, the, the hopeful times, the hopeless times, this is, this is kind of what he said, and I thought it was so, uh, so right. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.